0: This message inspires you to love strong, shine bright, and live free. You know, uh, in the book of Genesis, don't turn there, but we read and we'll remember and know that uh, God created the earth and everything in it. I think about verse 31, he says, of what he has created, it was very good. Everyone say, very good. Very good. Especially you guys here this morning, you're looking very good. Very good. And, and we continue to read through Genesis and we read that on the earth, God creates this incredible garden, this beautiful garden called Eden. And in the garden, he places Adam and Eve and he gives them authority over pretty much everything in, in, that, in that garden. Everything that they could see, everything that had been created, he, he put man over that apart from one thing. Apart from one thing. And so God said to Adam and Eve, he said, listen, fellas, look at it. Isn't it amazing? It's very good. I want you to enjoy it. Have a blast. Do whatever you, you want to do. Just don't touch that tree. Right? You know the story? Don't, don't touch that tree. And the tree that God asked them not to touch, the Bible says in, in Genesis 2, was the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil, right? If you've been to Sunday school, you remember these stories. Don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I, I want you uh, just to imagine for the purpose of, of this message is is just imagine that the fruit of that tree wasn't apples like we're often led to believe. In fact, the Bible doesn't even say that. But just, just for the sake of this message, I want you to imagine the, the fruit of that tree to be keys. Okay, just go with me this morning. Imagine the fruit on that tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, are keys. Maybe you got some keys on you today, but but it's a tree full of of keys. And God says, "Come on, guys, you 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 must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't don't touch any of the fruit. Don't don't touch the the, the keys." And and you may have heard me talk about this before, but that the word knowledge that God refers to there in the original language of the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew word, it's this word yada, y a d a, and it means to have information, it means to perceive or see, to discriminate or distinguish, or to be able to decide for oneself. And so what God was saying to, to Adam was, Hey listen, Adam, it's it's my job to decide what's right or wrong. God's job, right? His authority. It's my job to discern what is good and evil. You are not allowed to have dominion over that. Like everything else, you've got it. It's yours. You can enjoy all that you want to do. You can ride on lions, right? You can you can have a pet monkey. Just do whatever whatever's great there. But but the keys on this tree are mine. They belong to me. Don't don't touch this tree. Don't don't take any of these keys from the tree of the knowledge of of good and, and evil, and you know, you know the story. that serpent then comes along, and Genesis three, and and tells Adam and Eve that, hey, you know what? If you take those keys, if you eat the fruit of that tree, then then you will be you will be like gods. It says Genesis three verse five. Eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it will enable you to be like gods. And and the word gods in the Hebrew, sorry for jumping straight into some kind of teaching here right off the bat, but that word gods is the Hebrew word alahim, and, and it means to be a judge or a ruler. So the, the word, the word, uh, the knowledge is about being, being, uh, being able to discern good and evil, to the right to choose right or wrong, and a judge or a ruler is the word gods. And so a lot of us. In Sunday school, we had this idea that it was the juicy-looking, delicious fruit on the tree that kind of enticed them to eat of it, right? But I want to propose to you that it was what the fruit stood for that did the enticing. Because if we use these, if we use these two definitions of these words, knowledge and gods, that are on the screen behind me, we discover what what the devil, the serpent, was actually saying was, was hey, listen... When you eat this fruit, when you take these keys, you shall be your own ruler, being able to decide for yourselves what is right or wrong. I'm going to say that again because that's kind of like a paraphrase of what actually was happening here. He said, when you take this fruit, you shall be your own ruler, being able to decide for yourself what is right or wrong. And that must have sounded pretty appealing to Adam and Eve because it says that they went to the tree and they ate of that fruit. They began then deciding for themselves what was right and wrong, what was good and evil. I read a a commentary on this passage recently which says this, Our fallen nature doesn't mean we just have a tendency to do wrong things. It's the fact that we refuse to allow someone else to tell us what's right and wrong. All sin could be summed up in that one action. You may need to think about that for just a little bit, kind of. It's true. And as I said, imagine this tree to be a tree of keys. Adam and Eve took for themselves keys that belonged to God alone. And they took upon themselves a kind of authority that wasn't supposed to be theirs to decide for themselves what's right or wrong, to open whatever they wanted to with these keys. And you know what, if you think about this, thousands and thousands of years later as we find ourselves here today, we still have some of those keys in our hands. We're still carrying them along. Keys? you could say from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we are holding on to them tightly and 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 we're saying you know what i'm going to decide i'm going to decide what's right or wrong i'm going don't you tell me what i've got to do don't tell me what i must do because i'm my own authority i'm my own king these are my keys when i was About 14 or 15 years old, my brother owned a bright blue Ford Cortina station wagon. Great car. And, uh, of course, it was my brother's car, not mine, and I didn't have a driver's license. But every day when my brother came home from work, he was a a cabinet maker, a joiner, and he was very dusty. And my mum and dad were still at work, but my brother would come home a little bit early, about 4 o'clock, 4.30, and he would take a really long shower, about 15 to 20 minutes. And I would never tell on him for having all such a long shower because what I would do is I would sneak into his bedroom, take his car keys, take his car uh, out for a drive around the block. And after a few weeks of doing this, I realized how far I could actually go before he got out of the shower. So... I would drive kind of around the Cavity coast, a small block around down to the beach and back, and then I would come park it back in the driveway, make sure it was in the exact same place, put his keys back on the table in his bedroom before he got out of the shower and he never knew I was doing this, probably wondered why the fuel economy on his Ford Cortina was so bad, but but that was why and and I did this for months and months until I can't remember why, maybe I got caught or something, but but uh, I did this for such a long time, taking these keys and putting them back, and then taking the keys again, and then and then putting them back, and taking the keys and putting them back each day. No one, no one ever knew that I was doing that. And you know what? God reminds me every now and then, and He did so as I was preparing this message that you know, in some parts of my life, I'm still taking keys that don't belong to me and holding on to them. Maybe I'm putting them back again. And then I'm going, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to take those those keys back. Keys that are actually not mine, but keys for me to decide what I want to do with my life. And then keep putting them back. And I think we all have a tendency, a natural inclination to borrow the keys from that tree from time to time. Because we ultimately, you know, sometimes we just want to do it our way, Right? We want to do it. I want to decide. I, I want to decide. First Samuel chapter 10. Tell you to turn there. I did, didn't I? 1 Samuel chapter 10. And I just want to read a little account to you this morning and make a, a big point, I suppose, uh, about kingship and lordship, because that really is the issue about these keys. And this will make sense in just a moment. In First Samuel chapter 10, we are about to read about the declaring of a new king over Israel. In fact, the very first king over Israel. The setting is in a place called Mizpah. Samuel is the prophet of the day, and he's about to announce, as I said, the first king over Israel. He calls all the people together by their tribes and by their clans, and from the tribe of Benjamin, Samuel the prophet calls forth Saul Saul as king. it says in 1 Samuel 10, chapter 25, or 24 I'll read from, it says, And Samuel said to all of the people, Do you see him who the Lord has chosen? Do you see him? He is, he, there is no one like him among all the people. And so all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Come on, I just want you to say that. Long live the king. It says that all of the people shouted and said, long live the king. And I don't think we can kind of picture this properly, but just imagine for a moment that sitting there. Because if you know the context in which it was written, you'll understand that Israel was so desperate for a king to rule over them. Basically, they wanted a king to save them from the Philistines who were attacking them during this time. And and God had finally, I guess, heeded their cries or given in to their request. And so he calls on the prophet Samuel to elect a king from within Israel to reign over the people. And, 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 and so Samuel pulls Saul from out of the crowd and, and, and Saul has already been anointed privately, but he stands Saul before all of Israel and he declares to Israel, do you see him? This, O Israel, is your king. And, and it says that the people, they, they were ecstatic. They were so super excited. They lifted up their voices in a unified chant. It says they all declared, long live the king. Long live the king. The Bible says that every person All of the people were shouting, long live the king. And they all joined in this great celebration. What a great day. What a marvelous announcement. They had a king. They were now officially in a kingdom, right? And then we keep reading in verse 25. And I think I jumped ahead a little bit there. That scripture passage is wrong on the slides. Verse 25, if you keep reading this, 1 Samuel 10. It says, then, everyone say then. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all of the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. Verse 27, it says this, But some of the people, some of the rebels, they said, How can this man save us? And so they despised him and brought him no gifts. And so here we read here a little bit of a shift going on a little bit of a change in, change in circumstance what's really interesting here is that within a very few short verses like 3 verses we read all of Israel going long live the king woohoo this is awesome this is so amazing to then now some were actually despising him kind of a kind of a turnaround i kind of ask the question what happened what went on between everyone, all of the people being so ecstatic, to now some were actually despising Saul as king. What happened between the between the verses, between verse 24 and verse 27? I want to suggest to you it's found in the verses literally in between those, verse 25. And I believe what we read in verse 25 is actually the same problem many Christians still face today, and it's a problem with these with these keys. Let me read it to you again. It, it, it says that after all the people were, being hit, were so ecstatic about their new king, 25, verse 25 says, Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of kingship, of being subjects of, of the kingdom. And some of the people, they go, long live thou. What the hey? Right? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, rights and duties of being in a kingdom? What, what's all this about? We just, we just wanted a king, right? Now, now you're giving us instructions. I've used this analogy before when it comes to receiving King Jesus in, into our lives, because this is the great parallel here. I hope you've, you've caught up with this. I've shared before that how in every, every person's heart there is a throne, all right, not a real one. I'm just talking in, 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 as an analogy this morning. What, really? In here, here? There is a throne. There is in your heart a seat of power. All right, a seat of command. And on that throne, in every single person's heart sits a king. Now, this is in every single person. You don't have to be a Bible-believing Christian. I'm just talking about every single person has in their heart, a throne, and on that throne sits a king. And on that throne is a king with a crown, a crown of authority, and he rules and governs that person's life. And for most people, that king is themselves. All right? You're following me so far? That king is themselves. You are the king of your own life and you get to rule your life. You get to decide what's right and wrong. You get to say what's good and evil. You are the king. You are the Lord of your own life. You get to rule. And and the act of, the action of surrendering to Christ, to Jesus as Lord and Lord and Savior, Lord, King and Lord, is to step off that little throne in your heart to remove yourself from that place, to remove the little crown that's on your head as the king of your heart and actually give it to Jesus and invite Him to then sit on the throne of your heart and govern and rule. Right? Is this making sense to anyone this morning? Please tell me it's not the Codeine speaking. Right? And that is what it means to make Jesus king, to have him rule in your life, to govern your life from the inside, from, the ins- from your heart outward, from your soul outward, all right? It's not about an outward change first. He couldn't care less what you look like, what you wear. It's about the heart. It's about the soul. It's about you prospering and becoming free from the inside. Everybody loves the idea of a saviour. We all love the idea of a saviour. We will we'll all say, you know, long live the king until we realise that being under a king actually means we have to give him that place on the throne of our hearts because it belongs to him, right? And he's the only one who should be sitting on that one. We, we, we have no problem receiving forgiveness, right? Oh man, that's awesome. It's so good. The problem is never with salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me from all of my sin. That's incredible. Forgiveness, I'll take it. It's amazing. The problem is never with these things. The problem is always with keeping the keys, keeping hold of the keys, keeping hold of that that place on the throne of ruling and governing. And I'm not sure sometimes I want to put these keys back. They're mine. They're mine. (laughs) Mine, my precious, they're our keys. I want to decide. I don't want to give that right to anybody else. I don't want anyone else to be king over me, to be Lord over me. And so we, we hold on to these things. And then you can see this as a parallel with the, the nation or the people of, of Israel. They were so desperate for a king. They pleaded with the judges, come on, give us a king. We've seen how kings rule these other nations around us and we want one too. And so God relents. But do you know what they were used to before they had a king? It says this in Judges 21. Let's see if this comes up on the street. It says this. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. In the days where there was no king sitting on a throne and ruling over Israel, they did whatever the heck they wanted They did whatever whatever they wanted. In other words, they were, were a Lord unto themselves. Are you following this morning? They, they didn't want a king. They wanted a savior, but they didn't want a king. They wanted someone to rescue them from the Philistines who were attacking them and taking them captive and killing. But they did not want a Lord. They did not want to have to submit to his kingship. And so when Samuel began to read out the duties of being under a kingdom, they were like, hang on a minute, no way. And they began to despise this new king, which they'd all begged and prayed for. And sometimes we go, you know, yeah, Jesus, oh yeah, he he he's my savior. Jesus is my is my Lord. And then we start to read some of the the regulations, right, of of his kingship. We start to read some of those things out, like like handing back the keys of your life, and you're like what? And 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 and, and like letting him be the judge of your life, and you're like what? And, and, and making him be the ruler and the decider of things. And, and we, get, we realize that, man, I've got to put some of the keys back on the tree that I've been holding on to for so long. I need to remove myself the, from the throne of my heart. And for some of us, this means a whole lot of change that's hard and, and that we don't want to let go of. That, that means some of us, we need to actually repent of some things that we've done or been doing. Because that's what it means to put the keys back. And, and then we think, man, you know, this means giving, me, giving the keys back means I'm going to have to renew my mind. I'm going to have to live a different way. I'm going to have to get the truth on the inside where I've been living out of lies. And, and then we think, man, I'm going to have to surrender. Man, there is something about obedience that I'm going to have to follow what the Bible says. Well, this is too hard. I'm just going to hang on to these keys. And yet we're declaring him as Lord and King. The biggest mistake that many of us make as believers is not realizing that Jesus came to be your Savior and your King. And actual fact, you cannot separate the two. You cannot have a Savior without a King. You cannot have a King without a Savior. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 46, he said this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not... Do as I say. Kids are getting it. <laughs> They're having more fun out there than in here. This stuff is hard, man. What's going on? <laughs> Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I don't know, but I can, I can kind of read or hear the frustration in those words. He's, he's saying, you can't say I'm Lord and then do your own thing and live your life your own way. And the scary thing is, is he's not talking to like the bad world out there. Jesus is talking to believers. He's not talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to believers who have misunderstood what it means to be a subject of the kingdom of God. Hopefully you're not feeling too uncomfortable this morning. More uncomfortable than I am. (laughs) That word Lord in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, is the word kurios. And it means he to whom a person or thing belongs about which he has power of deciding. That is what a Lord is. So when we say, you know what, Jesus is my Lord. I make, I make you Lord of my life. What we are actually saying is, Jesus, I belong to you and I surrender to you my choice of decision. In fact, I surrender my will to you. And that is not an easy thing to do. Right? In fact, if you've had some ease with this, come pray for me after the service. <laughs> because, you know what? It's actually this key business which has been going on for years and years and years. Right, right back to the very beginning of time, which goes right back to the fall of man, which is this I want to decide. I wanna decide. I wanna be the boss. I wanna be in charge. I wanna dictate what's right or wrong. I wanna do what's right in my own eyes, not not in anyone else's. I'll have those keys, I'll take that crown, I'll sit on that throne, I wanna decide. Listen, here's the here's the bestest news ever. If that's sounding a little bit heavy for you this morning, here's some good news. He's a loving king. Right? He's an amazing king. You, in making him King Jesus, are not submitting to a tyrant. You're not being governed by a dictator here, right? You you are not under the control of a bully. It's King Jesus, the most amazing king that has ever lived. Right? And under under his rule, under his kingship, it's not slavery or mistreatment or being squashed or being reduced or, or restricted. But it's freedom and deliverance and hope and life because he's king and he's sitting on the throne of your heart. And so giving back the keys is not so that we would all just become these robots, right? Just kind of all like looking the same and doing the same. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus. No way! I don't know where that came from. He is—he he is wanting to—he is wanting to release us and to be who we were created to be. Incredible, powerful people. Because guess what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing, it's not so that God can sit in heaven on some big throne and just boss you around and tell you what to do every day. It's not even that you've done such a miserable job having these keys in your own hands, although that's a really good reason to give them back. But we need to understand this, we've got to understand this, that that, that being under authority means that we have access to authority. Being under His dominion means that we can have dominion. When we allow God to govern and rule our inner world, our inside world, that means He will allow us to govern and rule in the outside world. If this... If this place is screwed up and we got the keys and we're doing whatever we want, guess what? You're going to have trouble in the outside world as well. He wants to rule on the world inside of you so that you can rule in the world outside, around you. But we need to understand that under authority, we got access to authority. It's under his dominion that we can have then dominion. And you know what? Jesus is the absolute perfect example of this, as he should be. Jesus said, he said this, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. That is the perfect picture of someone under authority. He said this in John 6.38, the first one was John 5.19. John 6.38 says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Speaking about father God. John 14, 10 says, The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. But the Father who dwells in me, who does the works. So you know what? Jesus is even saying it. Come on, give him back the keys. It's it's not my keys. He's saying, I have no authority except what I have got from my Father. I can do nothing of myself except what the Father empowers me to do. Jesus is saying, listen, I am under authority, therefore I have authority. And what authority Jesus had. What authority is at the name of Jesus, where every, every sickness will bow. Come on, there's power in the name of Jesus. In Matthew uh, chapter 26, you can turn here if you want to, but we, we read about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. We, we, we uh, watched the movie about this over Easter weekend. It's as he prayed to his father, as he sought the father's presence, as he was faced with absolute sorrow in lieu of what he was about to experience, the cross. And in that place of sorrow, Jesus begins to utter utter these words. He says, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it is possible, but nevertheless, not as I will, but I. As you will. Not my will, but yours be done. It's really, really interesting there. If you just think about this, in the garden of Gethsemane, in in a garden, just like the garden of Eden, two gardens, two choices were made, choices around the battle, if you like, of the will, the battle of keys, the battle of lordship. Decisions of will were made that changed the face of history, whether it was victorious or whether it was defeat, whether it was the kingdom lost or the kingdom gained. It took place through the battle of the will. When we know Jesus, who was, had given up his divinity, stripped of, of his status of God, if, if you like, He humbled himself as a man, Philippians says, and in that humanity, he finds, humanity rather, he finds himself in a garden, like the Garden of Eden, but here he is praying, Father, if I could choose another way, if you left the decision solely up to me in my humanity for my personal gain or for my best interest, or if you left it up to me, depending on how I might be feeling right now or my opinions or thoughts on the matter, if you left it up to me, Jesus is essentially saying, man, I'd want this thing to pass. But nevertheless, I surrender my, my will to yours. Not my will be done, but your will be done. I leave the keys in the place they need to be. They're yours. Matt, why don't we have you come and play? It would be awesome. I'm almost due for some painkillers, so I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> we have to give back the keys. And you know what? We've got to keep giving back the keys because what I've found is i thought I've given the keys back and then a few weeks later I'm finding more in my pocket again. How do these things get back in here? We have to give back the keys, otherwise we'll always be taking Jesus on our own terms and in our own way, right? And listen, it's never going to work. It's not going to work well you're not gonna experience that abundant life that Jesus talked about. You'll always be dealing with perpetual sin. You'll always be dealing with stubbornness and arrogance self-sufficiency or independence because we've not fully accepted the lordship of Christ in that inner place. And he wants every single person back, back to the garden under his dominion with all of the keys under that tree why don't we bow our heads this morning there are likely people here today and people no doubt who are listening to this online later in the week who have either never surrendered those keys or maybe you like to borrow them from time to time you take them from under that tree and today we just have another opportunity, and I'm, I'm not gonna embarrass anyone this morning, but we we just have another opportunity to to surrender. I know that there are some keys of my own that I gotta put back on that tree again. I got a few in my own in my own pocket, and and it is a case of, of saying, God, I need to come back and surrender to you again these keys. I don't wanna be like a God decides what's right and wrong. I want to come under your lordship, under your loving authority, under, under your blessing. Just while every head is bowed, just for these next few moments, precious moments, let's just take a, just a moment of time to think about our lives. Think about those areas in our lives where, where we need to give back lordship. We need to give back the keys, the keys of authority that belong to him alone. Maybe it's in the area of relationships. Maybe it's in your thought life. Maybe it's with what you're allowing your eyes to see. Maybe, maybe it's in the area of finances where you are just ruling yourself and you've not submitted that to God. Maybe it's your whole life this morning that needs to be submitted to Him. Thank you, King Jesus thank you for your loving Lordship. Thank you that we are safe in your arms. Thank you that blessing flows when all of the keys are back on that tree. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. And I am sorry. And maybe you can pray a prayer just like this. Right now. God, I, I'm sorry in my in in my lordship of my own life. I'm I'm sorry, God, for holding on to these keys. Keys that were never supposed to be mine, but always were supposed to be on, on that tree. I I give you everything right now. Maybe afresh, fresh, or maybe in just this one area. In in this area, I give you these keys back. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me for everything that I've done whilst having these keys in my own hands, having these keys in my own pocket. Forgive me for doing what I did when I declared that I was the judge. And from today, I pray, be Lord, be king, and reign in me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You know what, this morning you may have, Pray a prayer like that or need to pray a prayer like that for the very first time. In other words, you've never invited Jesus to be king in your heart, to sit on the throne of your heart and lead your life. And I just, while every head is bowed, just, I'm not going to again embarrass anyone, but if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, just give me a wave of your hand and when we're all finished here, I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here who for the first time wants to say it? I want Jesus to be king in my life. Just give me a big wave so I can see you. Anyone here this morning? So, Father, we thank you for ruling and reigning. You are indeed king. And we can say, because we know the privilege and the blessing of being a subject of your kingdom, we can declare and confess today Jesus, long live the King. Long live the King. Come on, why don't you just declare that. Long live the King. Long live the King. God, come and rule and reign in our hearts even as we go from this place this morning. Have your way. Have your way in every part. We invite you to come, sit and rule and govern, God, that you, Lord, would help us by your Holy Spirit Reveal to us your plans and your purposes for our lives. Thank you for the joy that comes. Thank you, God, that you get to set us on a path of righteousness. Thank you that it's not restriction, but it's an open field that we get to run into. And I pray for grace and strength in the ministry of the Holy Spirit right now and as we go from this place to help us make sure that in every area, your Lord not just Saviour, but our Lord and King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more information about Aspire Church, find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Or check out our website, aspirechurch.org.nz. love to see you on Sundays, 10 a.m. 101 Hardy Street.